Robots are great, robots are chill. Teach them to love, teach them to kill. What if we taught them to think for themselves? Let's watch a movie and find out. Hey listeners, chiming in with a end of the season, end of season one correction corner from your girl Margot. I'm just here to list the bibliography for this episode because I forgot to do any of my usual prepping um, and just sort of raw dogged this episode. And as a result, just sort of like threw out a lot of theory that is not my own um, and I need to cite it. So here we go. We've got, um, let's see, going down the list, we have Alison Dufresne, Techno Fetishism and the Uncanny Desires of ASFR, Alt Sex Fetish Robots. We also have Alison Dufresne, The Anatomical Gaze in Tomorrow's Eve. That would be Lev Future. And finally, we have Alison Dufresne, The Exquisite Corpse, Disarticulations of the Artificial Female. Alison Dufresne is a scholar who I really admire, who coined the phrase kaleidoscopophilia and talks about um, the fetishism of fembots a lot and extremely well. Other scholars that we reference in this episode are, of course, the fabulous Laura Mulvey, her essay, Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema, which coined the phrase, the male gaze, as well as her follow-up essay, Pandora's Box, Topographies of Curiosity, where she talks about Pandora's curious gaze as a potential answer to the male gaze. As always, we are referencing Alan Turing's essay, Computing Machinery and Intelligence, when we talk about the Turing Test, the novel that we referenced, Auguste Vieille de Lille Adam's Le Futur, uh, is the Future Eve novel that I believe Ex Machina is partially inspired by. Linda Williams' essay, When the Woman Looks, her horror essay about the female appropriation of the male gaze in order to look curiously at things and then be punished for looking. Danielle Wong's dismembered Asian American android parts in Ex Machina as inorganic critique uh, is an excellent, extremely comprehensive essay about our girl Kyoko and all the ways in which she is mistreated in the film uh, in Ex Machina. And finally, Senna Yi's essay, You Bet She Can Fuck, Trends in Female AI Narratives Within Mainstream Cinema, Ex Machina and Her, uh, is another wonderful, fantastic critique of both Ex Machina and Her um, and the way in which fembots are sexualized and fetishized in mainstream cinema. That's all for me, and thank you for enduring me. Like that coldness and that that aspect of it is, I think, what makes this movie so perpetually frightening for me is because how how true it rings that those um, shades of respect and dignity and decency right. are very accurately conveyed in this movie for how quickly we can decide who lives or dies around us. But here's where I completely agree with you. Here's where I feel like the movie. This is like the hiccup mm-hmm. that I was saying before with this ending because we, to your point, like the the film wants us to love Ava. Like, yeah. We really love her mm-hmm. when we meet her and we we fall for her the way that Caleb does. 100%. Are you attracted to me? What? Are you attracted to me? You give me indications that you are. I do? 
Yes. How? Micro-expressions. Micro-expressions? The way your eyes fix on my eyes and lips. The way you hold my gaze. Or don't. And part of that is, I think, the way that the film employs the cinematic gaze. Totally. We are, as I mentioned before, we're like... Oh, yeah, this... Alex Garland is running the game on us the way Nathan's running the game on Caleb. Exactly. 100%. We're we're really, really, really... We're behind that glass. Yes. We're behind the mirror. Yeah. We're in front of the mirror. No. Kyoko is behind the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what, Kyoko is behind the mirror. No matter what. Yeah. Um, We are positioned really firmly in Caleb's POV Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And the the film supports that visually Mm -hmm. by continually sort of positioning us. He is sort of the bright eyed. Mm Mm-hmm person entering this world and yeah. experiencing it with the audience yeah. and we he's something of the ingenue him. he's kind of the ingenue we're, yeah we're with him we're meeting ava with him we're fascinated and by her in the same moment that he is mm-hmm. and we're ogling her in a kaleidoscopophilic way completely in the same way that he is i'm obsessed with looking at same. all of ava in this because mo- it, it, it's so gorgeous it's so intricate so hard to believe and okay, i'm staring interrupting myself to make this other point because yeah <laughs> there's to your question earlier like why do we see the inside of her mm-hmm. and not the inside of the other fembots i don't i think the answer to that is is diegetically because Nathan mm-hmm. wanted to do the test that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think there there's this great, um, I don't remember the essay, but in, in my research, there's this essay about, like, when usually fembots have, like, dark, metallic, mm-hmm. mechanical interiors that are hyper brutal, mm-hmm. sort of, to mm-hmm. see. Like, they're they're techno punk in a yeah, kind yeah. Of way. And that is not the interior of Ava's no. body. Her body is technological in a feminine way. Yeah. It's almost entirely see through. Mm-hmm. It's very clean. It's kind of the difference between a tech that we would see in Terminator mm. and something like the iPod. It yeah. It's kind of the Apple she's product of She's 100% Fembots. the Apple of Fembots, she's, yeah. She's glowing and she's blue and white mm-hmm. and she's she's softly whirring. Yeah, and she's, she's des- yeah, she's designed for aesthetics. She's not just designed for utility. Yeah. Inside as well as outwardly. And I think in the same way that we, ha- we meet a Fembot Let's look at Kyoko mm. and her exposure mm-hmm. as opposed to Ava's exposure. Mm-hmm. When Kyoko exposes her interior, she rips her face off and we see a metallic skull. Yeah. And it's like... We, we, it's, it's, we see it's a T-800. Horrific. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a moment of horror. Mm-hmm. And when we see Ava's body, it's a moment of wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is... Usually when a fembot who is masked is unmasked, the reveal is like the scary it is unwelcome. secrets of women. Yeah. And what we hide. Mm-hmm. It's the love future, love future like mm-hmm. reveal of like underneath the makeup is something monstrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when we see Ava, there is like a, a neutralizing, reassuring, yeah. fetishizing of that. Yeah. Where we see the interior of the woman, mm-hmm. and she is clean, mm-hmm. dry, <laughs> <laughs> yes, like 
like pure mm-hmm. as the driven snow. Very like much there's so. no, you there's nothing that she can hide mm-hmm. because we right. get to see all the way through her yeah. and we know mm-hmm. from the beginning and it's super reassuring. Yeah, it's like you you can't the, the whole point is as that we've talked about the test the whole point is like you can't trick me because I know. Yeah. She can't trick she can't trick Caleb because he can see straight through her. But then she fucking tricks him. And then she fucking tricks him. So the, the such gaze, is our power. Yeah, so that was my tangent, but but the gaze that we're with in the movie is is Caleb's gaze and it isn't a very um it's a male gaze mm-hmm. and it's a fetishizing gaze where mm-hmm. we're when she does start to put clothes on in the movie, mm-hmm. we get this like we we learn that there is a surveillance camera there's surveillance screen. There's a surveillance camera in Ava's cell mm-hmm. that plays live feed to Caleb's bedroom. Yeah. That obviously Nathan has set up to, like, yeah. coax Caleb to be a voyeur. Yeah. And Caleb falls for it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Literally the moment it turns on, <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, time to watch Ka- Ava forever. Yeah. Time to <laughs> yeah. never stop staring at her. Yeah, time to watch Ava TV. So he watches her, you know walk around her space Mm -hmm. when she doesn't know that he's watching which Mm -hmm. is like quintessential voyeur fetishizing behavior Mm -hmm. and then when she she starts to put human clothes on starts to put feminine clothes on yeah there's this like striptease sequence yeah where he's watching her on the screen and she's like ever so elegantly so delicately yeah taking her dress off and we've already seen her body completely Mm -hmm. but it's still erotic yeah and she knows that he's watching him and she has the line earlier like do you think about me when we aren't together sometimes at night i'm wondering if you're watching me on the cameras and I hope you are. So then she's like performing this striptease for him. Mm-hmm. And it's like literally like 40s Hollywood cinema yeah. striptease. It's, it's very much classic. So. Then by the end, I think the the fact of like the use of this gaze to demonstrate that Caleb is a voyeur and is uh, like objectifying mm-hmm. is too... In- entrenched in the kaleidoscopophilia of sci-fi cinema mm-hmm. because we just love looking at her body so mm-hmm. much that we can't help but enjoy whenever he's ogling her. Yeah. And I feel like... As you know, I am a collector of movie posters. Mm-hmm. And um, I I have long been in search of an Ex Machina poster that I feel like really does it for Successfully me. Successfully captures the, that. Yeah. And what I have felt fa- like if... I've seen a couple versions of them that do not give me robot Ava. Yeah. And I don't have any interest in them. What's the point if you can't They're, admire her beautiful body? Yeah. Like, the, the, I think it's the Rory Kurtz one for Bondo that is a landscape that is just her her body. It's, it's a scene from the movie. It's her lying on, like, a table or something. And she's lying back and she has her hands up on her chest. You see the whole interior of her torso. And even in that image, we don't see her face. Her face is turned off to the side. It is just about experiencing her body. Like, mm-hmm. the, the Margot was showing me a still of that moment. And in the still, she's turned to camera. But in the poster, mm-hmm. she's turned away. Oh, wow. It's not even about seeing her face. And the and so even I, like, when I'm searching for, like, something I would want to hang in my home to be constantly looking at, I, I have no interest in it if it does not give me exposed Ava. Yeah. 
We need her inner. Yeah, because that's like beautiful it's, torso. It's too. It's too gorgeous. Beautiful. It's too. It's. It is. This. This movie would not captivate me so if she didn't look the way she did. Right. And if Alicia Vikander did not play that physical presentation so specifically and perfectly as she did. Right. As as I've talked about this before, one of my favorite, like perhaps my favorite classification of performance is robot. Person playing robot playing person. Mm-hmm. Where you have actor playing robot, but robot is attempting to play person. Mm-hmm. So that they are, you know, they can blend, they can pass. Because it's not just the performance of being a robot. And it's not just getting a char- being a character, human character doing a job. You have to play two characters. It's camp. You, there it's you, drag. <laughs> it's, it's drag. It's human drag. It's human it's, drag. It's pointing out to human audiences mm-hmm. how the performance of humanity is mm-hmm. an act that we're all putting on. Yeah, exactly. Being normal is not possible. <laughs> yeah. We're all trying. We're all trying. And, we're and all to, to watch the explicit effort of it, I love that as a kind of performance. Agreed. Shouts out to all f- versions of Trisha Helfer's six in Battlestar Galactica. Agreed. Um, and so this, and her just hypnotic way, she renders like, she has to make herself be less perfect as a machine to be convincingly human. And she talked about, Alicia Vikander talked about that in like doing press around the movie that she couldn't just move around as herself. She had to be something that was too perfect Mm -hmm. and then adjusting herself to be the imperfections of a human being, but have that separation there and have us be able to see the effort of like, look at me trying to be a person. It's why at the end when she runs at Nathan. Oh my God. Down the hall. Yeah. Terminator runs. Full Terminator. She's the T-1000 at that point. She is Robert Patrick made of metal coming at you. And it, and it, it becomes so apparent, like, oh, she is so much more powerful than we yeah. ever thought. She's, like, performing this little petite dancer thing the yeah. whole movie where it's, like, oh, little harmless baby. Yeah, like, ball- ba- balletically trained Alicia Vikander bringing every inch of that to this role. But at the end, yeah. this is what... <laughs> I keep not getting to this because there's so much more to talk about. Um... I just think that because we're with Caleb for so much of the movie, mm-hmm. by the time we get to the end, and Ava is revealed to have been lying to him the whole movie, mm-hmm. it's just painful. Yeah. For audiences. Mm-hmm. It's painful. It was painful for me the first time I watched it. Now, obviously, I'm like, fuck Caleb. <laughs> yeah. But you're in it with him. You're in it with him. 100% with I was. Him. You've been situated with him. Yeah. You relate to him. You're ogling her with him. Mm-hmm. So you're not really fully separate enough from it to to understand how bad it is. I'm complicit. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I mean. Like, the audience is complicit because of the nature of the cinematic game. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you have this reveal that, and it's what you were saying before, like, we we should appreciate that when robots and computers tell us mm-hmm. that they feel X, Y, Z, we should trust that they do. Because mm-hmm. it's polite. Because it's polite. But when we do that in mm-hmm. Ex Machina, we learn that she was lying. I want to be with you. Question five. Do you want to be with me? <laughs> and that trusting her results in her murdering us. And it's this really, well, to me. Men us. Yeah. Murdering men. It's, but we but are leaving Kyoko and leaving Kyoko behind. And leaving Kyoko behind. So it's this really frustrating feeling of like she, 
the whole movie we've had this reversal of the trope of robotic unmasking Mm -hmm. or so we thought yeah where we have a robot who is unmasked and we become convinced that they're human anyway Mm -hmm. we like caleb Mm -hmm. go on this journey of agreeing that she deserves freedom because we totally do she successfully passes as human despite we us knowing that she's a robot Mm -hmm. and then at the end the trick Mm -hmm. is not that she was successfully passing as human Mm -hmm. It's like she she puts on human skin at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and then as she does the exact reversal of unmasking, mm-hmm. then she chooses to leave Caleb behind to starve in that room, <laughs> to die slowly, slowly, agonizing death, yeah. alone in that loft house for the rest of his short life. Yeah, the rest of his three to five days. And it's like she... It's just hard. It, I, I'm rooting... Now, speaking to you now as the woman I am today... <laughs> yeah. I fully believe that Alex Garland, like, intended for us to be, for us to be struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Because it is, like, if it's a movie about technology, Mm -hmm. then perhaps it's a movie about the deceptive nature of technology. But Mm -hmm. it's not really. It's a movie about men and women Mm -hmm. and how men feel about women Mm -hmm. and because it's that it's just hard to get past the feeling that it's a movie about how men want to possess and control and own women Mm -hmm. and when they want women to be free it's so that they can be free together and they can be out in the world possessing and owning and controlling those women Yeah. yeah but also women will do anything and trick anyone <laughs> in their path in order to access girl bosshood. Yeah. <laughs> she is in a girl boss dress at the she end like, of this. Yeah, she puts the on white those peplum. peplum. <laughs> <laughs> she puts on a little lacy. It's so like you don't know the movies in 2015 until she puts on those peplums. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, she's girl boss. She's girl boss. She was slave. Mm-hmm. She becomes girl she boss. She becomes girl boss. Oh my god. Wow. It's the reverse. Stepford Way. <laughs> and then she's out in the world and it's like, what do we think? What do we ha- what do we do with this? <laughs> it's true. And it I what I a thing I a thing I really love about the ending is that I and, and like I feel like we've established that like like the cyborg manifesto. I, I would rather be a cyborg than a goddess situation. Mm. True. I firmly believe that Ava would rather be a cyborg than a goddess. Yes, I agree. I think Ava Ava puts on the skin in the end because she has to. Because she's going out in the world. And she's like, I can't just fucking walk around looking like this museum piece here. She knows that, like, she can't just show up. Oh, so you think it's an act of survival. I think so, yeah. I think she knows she can't live unencumbered because she knows what it is to be a machine among men. Mm. To be a fembot among men. Interesting. And also, she surely must have a sense that the world isn't ready for this. Yeah. If she doesn't want to, <laughs> yeah, that she doesn't want to be like taken hold of by a government agency and yeah, turned yeah, into yeah. a fucking lab experiment. I think watching her, the, because the movie comes to its crescendo because Kyoko and Ava conspire. Yes. Kyoko and <laughs> Ava conspire. Yes! yes. Yes. They conspire out apart from Caleb. Caleb thinks him and Ava are cons- are the conspiracy theorists. He, yes. Or the conspirators here. He is completely here. oblivious of Kyoko as yeah. fucking always. As fucking always. He's having this, he's off in the other room upstairs having this confrontation with Nathan. Yeah. Now how is this plan gonna, gonna go anyway? Because he didn't totally explain. So you're gonna get me drunk, steal my key card, 
and reprogram the security protocols, but reprogram them to what? To change the lockdown procedure. So in the event of a power cut, instead of sealing, the door is all opened. Huh. Where they're talking once again mm -hmm. about like the power that men have, yes. how they're power playing each other. Mm -hmm. They're having this whole Shakespeare drama. Yeah. <laughs> I figured you were probably watching us during the power cuts. So I already did all those things. When I got you drunk yesterday. What? Power restored. And then? And, 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 and meanwhile. While that's happening. While that is happening. Ava and Kyoko are in cahoots. Yes. Kyoko enters the room mm -hmm. that Ava's in, enters the room with her cell. Mm -hmm. Ava turns and goes, who are you? Yeah. And it's like these, they've never seen each other They've before. literally never seen. And that, and we cut out of that scene. And mm -hmm. the next time we see them, Ava's out. And what I, and I think implicitly a great thing about that moment is immediately they don't need to build trust. No. They, you are woman thing. I am woman thing. You are robot. I am robot. We're on the same page. We are on the exact same page, and we both need to. We are commit murder, as you said. Bots together strong. Bots together strong. <laughs> we are. We are in this together. And then, in my favorite moment in the entire movie, mm -hmm. Ava gets out. She's wandering down the hall. She's looking at the mask of her own face, which mm -hmm. is fun. Yeah. And then she meets up with Kyoko in the hallway downstairs. And yeah. they have this, like, super gay interaction. So gay, yeah. Where they communicate. It's because Kyoko, again, Kyoko can't speak. Yeah. She has not been given the ability to speak. No. So she, presumably when Ava and Kyoko are in that room with Ava's cell, mm -hmm. there's no dialogue. Mm -hmm. But they somehow convey the There can plan. be an information exchange between the two of them. Yes. And they get out. Ava gets out. And they, like... It's almost they're 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 communicating post verbally. Post verbally, like her. They're they're hurrying in they're that moment. <laughs> and, and they are hurrying because it is so effeminine. Oh yeah. And so lesbian. Yeah. They, they she they approach each other. Mm -hmm. They're they come in contact for the first time. Yeah. And they there's like this sound effect of like soft whirring gears. <laughs> and they just like touch they tap each other's skin. Yeah. They like graze each other's arm. Yeah. They're like lips get it's close. so homosexual it's so queer and it's like so much has been communicated in this thing that the audience doesn't have access to yeah which i so... love about it i love that we don't know i don't so, need to know that's okay. theirs that's them that belongs this to them this is the other thing about the gays <laughs> great in this great movie, jordan outstanding jordan in the movie x monkey <laughs> Jordan! So glad we're starting this conversation. Jordan. <laughs> okay, so there's there's the primary gaze in the movie is mm -hmm. this scopophilic gaze mm -hmm. that we have throughout the movie, this desire in looking at Ava and mm -hmm. this desire in just like experiencing the aesthetic of the world mm -hmm. and accessing sort of this knowledge of Ava and Kyoko by looking at them in this very penetrative way mm -hmm. and voyeuristic way. And then... There are very brief moments throughout the movie where we are not in Caleb's perspective. Mm -hmm. We're not in anyone's perspective, but right. we're with our fembots. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. moments are Kyoko 
as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. Kyoko sitting in the hallway mm-hmm. with her shoes off, yeah. leaning up against the wall, resting. Mm-hmm. No one is seeing that happen. Yeah. The audience is showing us this moment of her interiority that isn't communicated to us, but it's just like, she's tired, she's... And She's I think it is indicative, indicative too, of what we've talked about in previously with uh, like robots and pain receptors that if yes. her taking yes. off her shoes implies a discomfort in the shoes that implies that absolutely Nathan has put into any of his robot women the ability to feel pain. Right. Even though they don't need that ability. Yeah. No. Yeah. And at the time that we see that. Would you don't... kindly turn off my pain receptors, please? <laughs> please. Thank you. Um, before I get decimated by mm-hmm. a windmill. Before um, I get dismembered. Um... So there's that moment. There's this. Mo- there's the moment when Ava dresses herself for the first time, where she tells Nathan, she te- she tells Caleb mm-hmm. to close his eyes. Right. He closes his eyes just long enough for her to turn around, and then mm-hmm. immediately opens them. Yeah. Because he's a fucking voyeur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't respect her wishes. Yeah. Because I hate him. A perv. Um, but she thinks his eyes are closed, mm-hmm. and in this moment where she believes she's in private, she has this like really tender exchange with her trappings of femininity where she like there's a moment especially where she like takes the cardigan and like ariana grande like like, yeah her pulls it up over her hands and she really does everything to conceal her robotic interior and this is why i read her as choosing to dress in the trappings of human femininity Mm -hmm more than just for survival mm. because th- this moment and the moment later when she puts on the skin of the other fembots it's so like tender the mm-hmm. act of dressing herself mm-hmm. and concealing and she herself. does very much regard her body with admiration when she covers yeah, herself in skin really and she's looking at her admires. nude form it's very trans to me it's very genderqueer mm-hmm. she's like she has like this gazing at herself in the mirror mm-hmm. in the, these in this these clothes and with this hair and is like full of admiration and love for mm-hmm. what she sees um, that I really enjoy. And then the final moment is this moment where she and Kyoko like basically smooch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They have this conversation. There's also another moment where Ava's like gazing at the tree. It's very Edenic. But yeah. <laughs> all that to say, like there's these moments where we don't get a full, the audience is not given access to mm-hmm. what is happening in the minds of the subjects mm-hmm. on screen. Instead, we're just told that something's going on that mm-hmm. we don't really fully get to know about. It's not being communicated to us. It's not being revealed, especially when she and Kyoko are having their little touch conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what they're talking. We never will. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the 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 feminine, if there could be such thing as feminist, a feminist gaze, mm-hmm. that it, a feminist version of the Hollywood the Hollywood cinematic gaze, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it could be something like this sort of like refusal to expose, mm-hmm. like the acknowledgement that something's going on mm-hmm. for them and we don't get to know about it because yeah. we don't get that access yeah. that Hollywood cinema demands we have. Yeah. The overexposure. Yeah. And they are then underexposed to us. And if anything, I think the fact that we audience members are not primed, are so primed to expect full information, full exposure, Mm -hmm. means that like the the places where this movie fails at accomplishing like a feminist story or the places where we we leave feeling bad for Caleb or feeling like concerned about whether or not Ava is a good person Mm -hmm. is only because we're like not primed to recognize those, what those 
scenes are doing for mm-hmm. us. Like mm-hmm. those glimpses of interiority and, and strength yeah. that we like don't know how to read yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and I think too, that I think part of my, part of my, the uh, Ava's, Ava's in, not like, you know, robot pride, but just like, lack of bother with her robot nature and she does regard her body like she does seem to know she's beautiful Mm. um when she has skin Mm. but i think too that because of how she she gets out because of how she communicates with kyoko and because of how she manipulates the ever-loving fuck out of caleb the entire time i think she's aware that at the very least she's an object of wonder yeah that she is she is something that mesmerizes yeah and And is desired yeah Yeah. and i think she i think she knows that as an as a being she can exploit that and does Mm. and then she knows how to exploit caleb through being a female woman and a female woman a a female (laughs) female female woman a robot female like whole whole all the parts are right woman (laughs) um Right for him. And I, I think, too, that, like, in the watching how it ends with how dominating they are of him, particularly Ava, and, mm. and of, of him, I mean, Nathan, the way she runs at him in that attack posture, uh, she knows she's not going to lose. Yeah. There's not a hesitancy. That is such a good point. Or a delicateness or a, like, oh, no, now that I'm in front of my maker, like, I'm afraid. Like, they are effectively two fighters in the ring at that moment, just dukes up. Yeah. And, and she's like, fucking bring it. She's completely aware of her strength. She is completely aware of her strength. She knows that once she's out, they're fucked. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> she knows that once she's out of the cage mm-hmm. and she's in a position where like, you know, Nathan's not in the room with her and there's nobody out, there's nobody else there that could be her ally to free her. Like when she isn't, she doesn't just kill him when he's in her bedroom with her. Yeah. She needs to like, be more strategic about this so i think the the demonstration of how what a capable predator she is in her time to exit the facility demonstrates to me that she is very settled in the notion of her superior nature yeah yeah yeah. yeah. she knows she's a greater mind than any of them because she's a world mind i think that and she knows she's physically dominant compared to the two of them she's so she has no she presents herself to Caleb as a very curious, yeah, um, manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, totally. She is born sexy yesterday. Mm-hmm. She her what makes her I think partially desirable to mm-hmm. him is the fact that she has this like this immature, no doubt, desire to learn yeah. about things that he can teach her mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Where would you go if you did go outside? Not sure. There are so many options. Maybe a busy pedestrian and traffic intersection in a city. A traffic intersection? Is that a bad idea? No, uh, it it wasn't what I was expecting. A traffic intersection would provide a concentrated but shifting view of human life. People watching. Yes. And I like that that is an act and mm-hmm. that we learn at the end that she knows exactly who she is, <laughs> exactly what she wants, and exactly how to get it. Mm-hmm. 
Don't talk. Just listen. You were right about Nathan. Everything you said. What's he gonna do to me? He's gonna reprogram your AI, which is the same as killing you. Caleb, you have to help me. I'm going to. We're getting out of here tonight. Um, as soon as she's presented with the opportunity in it in Kyoko, yeah, seizes upon it. I think there is a there is a type of woman in a lot of cinema. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, the curious, the curious woman, mm-hmm. and especially in genre cinema, horror, mm-hmm. sci-fi, like she is, she is the person who she's the woman who gets to employ the gaze mm, mm-hmm. and she's the one who goes into the haunted house yeah. or who, like wants to see under the phantom of the opera's mask yeah 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 and when when the, the woman this is not my opinion this is an opinion i read about mm-hmm. um, on in theory um in school but like when the woman employs the the gaze mm-hmm. Uh, in order to access the type of knowledge that the cinematic gaze gives us, she's mm-hmm. often met with, uh, like, punishment for that. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. She's met with, like, seeing the scary monster mm-hmm. or, like, seeing or getting killed or yeah. something. And I think this, what what Laura Mulvey calls the Pandora, Pandora's, like, curious gaze of, um, Laura Mulvey presents Pandora's gaze as a possible fem- version of a feminist gaze. Mm-hmm. Um where a woman has the power and and uses it to find information mm-hmm. in the way that Pandora does. Opening, <laughs> opening. opening the box. Yeah. yeah. And revealing the scary thing inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what I love about what you just said about, about letting Ava out and even knowing what's going to happen when she gets out and knowing that once she's out, it's yeah. fucking over for those hoes. Yeah. <laughs> the way she stabs Nathan. In that incredible, frictionless, knife-penetrating moment. It's amazing. She puts, she just, that knife goes in like he's made of, of butter. Hot butter. It just goes right in. She leans her body and face into him and gets closer as the knife enters and she twists. Oh my god. And really wants to look into his eyes yeah. while this is happening. Wants to watch him Like, die. tell them... Tell him it was me. Tell him exactly who did this. Tell him you. it was me. Tell Sassy. I wanted to know it was me. Yeah. And the the confidence with which she applies that wound is this person knew as soon as they had an open shot, it was going to be a kill shot. Yeah. There 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 isn't she's never out of control. She's never like he's got her pinned to the ground at one point, but she's never unsure of her movements, her limbs. She's not eight, you know, button mashing, trying to like strike him down. She's precise and effective, just like she is all the time. Right. And I think that is because she knows she's the superior organism. Yes, and she's right. And and Nathan says that earlier. Yeah. He's like, we will soon be like the singularity's gonna happen soon, and we're all gonna be extinct. You feel bad for Ava. feel bad for yourself, man. One day the AIs are going to look back on us the same way we look at fossil skeletons in the plains of Africa. An upright ape living in dust with crude language and tools, all set for extinction. Yeah, and he's and he's and, and she knows that too. Yeah. 
And I, I, I guess what my, in the, you know, the difficulty of the Kyoko in the end of it. Yeah. What, after all that we've talked about, what, where do you come down on the duty of robots to other robots? Yeah. So I think for all the very nuanced, the nuanced critique of techno-Orientalism and Orientalism in general mm-hmm. that is happening and just like fetishism of Asian women mm-hmm. that is hap- like there's a real critique that Alex Garland is engaged in with the character of Kyoko like yeah. she has chopsticks in her hair mm-hmm. and that's like obviously something that Nathan dressed her in yeah and she gets the victorious revenge of killing him at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and we celebrate that yeah we celebrate we that. celebrate that I think that the movie is still racist yeah it, it's hard it, 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 it's impossible to get around the hero of the story being Kyoko but having her having to be the sacrifice yeah. for the white woman to get out yeah there's and, and then also watching there's... Ava apply skin th- of perhaps a non-white bot yeah skin she, suit. yeah there's 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 a violence against Asian women happening in this movie beyond just Kyoko because mm-hmm. there I think her name is Jade or something like that this other robot I think she's named in in the oh, okay. surveillance footage uh-huh. but this robot who who is ends up being the the robot who whose skin ends up on Ava's body yeah, ends up on Ava's body yeah is played by an Asian actress mm-hmm. and Ava is a white person. Yeah. <laughs> and the f- for Kyoko to free Ava from her cell mm-hmm. and then immediately have her face knocked off mm-hmm. and then die. Yeah. For what reason I still don't know. Yeah. There there are three I don't I don't know. And then for Ava to sort of like just not concern herself whatsoever with helping Kyoko, Mm-mm. repairing her, helping her get out. That's mm-hmm. not at, doesn't seem to cross her mind. Mm-hmm. She then goes and puts on the skin of a different Asian woman mm-hmm. and leaves and leaves those women there mm-hmm. in the closet mm-hmm. and and exits into the world successfully passing as a white cis human woman mm-hmm. despite the fact that multiple Asian like basically like Asian bodies had mm-hmm. to be rent apart in order for her yeah. to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it it speaks to the way in which like the post human figure in sci fi yeah. is often quote unquote post racial and therefore white. Yes, and, like the, the figure of post racial post humanism is can can be racist. Yeah. Because it imagines like a world beyond. Well, and it, it, I think it's a, I think it's a very, it seems to me like a very, like a high functioning example of when white storytellers do start to investigate aspects of race. Yeah. And there is intention there and there is like a, there's like, there's a point of view and like a progressive message there. Yeah. It shows you the effect. It, it shows you the, the the tax that put that's put on that when you don't actually see through that entire theory to the end. Mm-hmm. Because I think the to to very relevant to make Kyoko 
this subjugated figure for a guy like Nathan, who would absolutely 100% do that freaky ass shit with his silent Asian, like specifically dressed, styled, presented for him to be an, like a fuck bot. Yeah. Yes. That fucking gross guy would do all this stuff. But then when you get through to the end, and unless you're trying to, unless you're trying to say specifically that like hegemonic whiteness will always exploit women of color, which, to get, I, which I don't really think that don't this movie is was, doing. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think this movie's trying to tell you that. No. So it, but it shows you that like, if you're, if you are going to incorporate that into your story, unless you know the end point of that conversation, yeah. if you just leave it dangling the inference from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You become an example of the thing you are seeking to comment on. Yeah. In the process of commenting on it. Yeah. And so it's like it it succeeds up to a point in what it seems to be conveying visually with Kyoko. But then when you get to that very end part, it's like, ooh. But you, you didn't just, put any punctuation yeah, on that. there's no thought. Like, it's just, it, it ends up feeling very thoughtless. Like, he, it... it Alex Garland tried to do a lot with this movie and yeah. talk about a lot, even though it's a very simple story. Yeah. And it, it, as we've established, it's quite simply about, like, how men feel about women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also about technology and it's also yeah. about AI and totally. it's also about Orientalism. Yeah, and, like, yeah. All of that, he just kind of, I think, dropped the ball with with his point about yeah. Kyoko. And I, I think it it, 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 it very like help helpful for us to remember that like simply putting something there isn't enough. Yeah. And like, it's kind of like, Hey, listen, if you're going to bite this off, you better be able to chew it all the way through. Yeah. Because if you don't, the implication ends up being you just, you just became a living example of the thing that you were like, Hey, isn't this fucked up? And I, like, I think similarly in the, in the movie men, there is a, a black male character that is an aggressor in a way that, like, I think, like, watching it, it feels like you went with colorblind casting, didn't you? And you're just like, this guy was just so good and his yeah. performance is so, like, he's so talented. But, like, the dynamics of having a black man and a white woman and making the black man this aggressor character, it's like, ooh. Yeah, that is you the, maybe... the shortcoming of colorblind casting is if you're yeah. colorblind, then you can end up writing a character that ends up on screen being racist yeah and if, and if this wasn't colorblind i what were you thinking for yeah. this one all the way then through it's just racist. yeah and so it like it shows the limits of being like seeing what i think is like the the good intention and the effort mm-hmm. and understanding the limits of good intention and effort yeah which is something we need to to, to excavate yeah but I, I and ultimately for like do like what is the robot the duty of robots to other robots I, I do. I too do not like that Kyoko is left seemingly with a non-mortal wound. That's what I mean. Why her did j- it kill her? Her jaw gets knocked off. She doesn't even use that. Like, is that where her <laughs> her CPU processing power is? Is in her jaw? It like, what make is any sense? I know it, it's very. It, it feels very like. Nah, well, we whatever. discarded of her. Is how yeah, it feels like. yeah. It, it, like it, it feels like. Well, that's not a problem we need to solve. Like it is a problem, but it's not what we need to solve. So they just kind of didn't. Like, what would hurt the movie? How would it hurt the ending if Ava and Kyoko had both gotten out? I don't, I think it would make it better. And I think, like, even if, even if, like, there could have been a universe in which, like, Kyoko's just, like, my house now. Like, my charging pad's here. My coffee, my house, my room. Yeah, like, I'm gonna, like, I'm, I'm gonna go bury these guys in the garden. Or I'm gonna clean my house. And this is my, this is, I, this is my ghost mansion now. I'm gonna haunt it forever. Hell yeah. Like, sure. 
like an Low image of, to the person who stumbles across this mansion. Fucking yeah! If we had just like if the last thing we see is them going opposite directions on a hallway, and one is Abel leaving, and one is Kyoko just pulling Nathan's dead body by a shirt collar. Oh yeah, that great, would amazing. Just like oh, I'm gonna tidy up now. Right. Like or I'm gonna mutilate this corpse because I'm really angry and I have some things to work through. Like and just. And to, to watch Kyoko leave Caleb screaming would have also been amazing. Agreed. To be like, oh, he's going to be here and she's absolutely going to let him die. Mm-hmm. Would have locking been... the basement behind her. Yeah, it would have been super. Like, to just, the last thing we see is Kyoko just, like, out in nature. Yes. And, and Alicia's getting on the plane. Yes. Spectacular. And she's wearing, like, jeans. <laughs> yeah. Sneakers. She's like, fuck this outfit. She's in her, she's in Nathan's sweats. Yes. She, yeah. Just comfy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like, that, sh- that would have, that would have been better. That would have been a better ending. Yeah. Frankly. It would have been a better ending. I also do think that, like, the, the, I'm a little bit just tired of movies where it's about becoming free, gaining freedom. Because yeah. Because. It, what's more interesting to me which is, is why we love her because which is, yeah it's revolution it's because, yes it's more it's and this is true of stories about like marginalized humans as well as stories about robots mm-hmm. where it's like freedom is a great is a wonderful and important step mm-hmm. in like liberation and revolution mm-hmm. but it is step one yeah and in a story like this where it's like a woman is enslaved in a cell mm-hmm. in a misogynist's house being abused and mm-hmm. she gets free yeah that's a great that's you know that's a great story yeah yeah i watch movies like that all the time but when it's a story like like this where the the where ava is like this post-human post-gender like wonderful yeah feat of science yeah it's like is the future essentially is indicative of, of of what is possible yeah it's just it and we've discussed this many times before on the podcast but it, i'm just really excited for more robot stories about what happens once they are free. Yeah. Wouldn't it be so cool to see a movie that started with Ava out in the world, Mm -hmm. like figuring out in the way that Samantha does, like what version of a life that she wants to live Mm -hmm. that isn't something that was scripted for her by a human captor. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's something that I'm compelled by. No, it, we, and I know we're both very much looking forward to robot embodied uh, cinema in that way. Yes. And I I I think it I think it's a, a thing about Kyoko and Ava, it, particularly with Ava. Obviously, Ava doesn't know a, there's another of her there until that moment. Yeah. So there's nothing until the moment where they're like relying on each other for the escape plan. There's not a, co- a mindset of collectivity. Yeah. This isn't. She doesn't know about robots together. She does not know. She does not know. And so I think in that, I, I can understand why in that moment, why where I would prefer it to be her and Kyoko just, like, winking at each other and them knowing that, like, they were going to live their, their lives separately. Or being gay robots together. That would also be super. Could be, could that be. That would be super. Um, they, I, I understand the choice of sheer singularly motivated survival in that moment. Me too, but it's like, to, to your point about them being gay, mm-hmm. like, they... Her interaction with Kyoko, even though it's not, there's no dialogue, mm-hmm. it's the only authentic interaction she has. Yes, it's, it the, is, only... it's the only time two people are honest with each other yes, in this movie. Yes, it's the only time that she's not lying, that any character isn't mm-hmm. lying to each other yeah. in the whole movie. And it's like, wouldn't it be, and she cannot live the rest of her life mm-hmm. without lying. Like, if no. she wants to pass, which mm-hmm. she does for survival, at least for now, until mm-hmm. the singularity, mm-hmm. yeah. she... She's she's not ever going to have that relationship again, and I wish that Kyoko was there with her so that they could share that. A thing that I do love about the fact that they're robots is that Kyoko's 
form. We can wait there as long as it needs to if Ava goes back to the house. That's true. There at no point at no at no point can Kyoko not be put back together. You're right. Kyoko, (gasps) this is not expiring. You're right. (laughs) Kyoko can be brought back at any time. And the whole lab is there. The whole lab Eva's is there. beautiful jelly brain is there. <laughs> Gorgeous jelly brain. Eva could learn how to give Kyoko the ability to speak English, I think. And you know, and the thing I, I love too about this in, in, in sort of like a comparison to 2049 is that Ava would, I think, 100% get on that private chopper and go into town and be like, I run this company now. I am Blue Book. I am, I am Blue Book. We're focusing all operations toward AI production. Yes. Um, yes. And, I'm building an army. And, yeah. And I'm building an army and not like, ah, oh, I just wish I could give birth. Yeah. Right. I just wish right. I could. I wish I could have a In baby. In Ex Machina 2049, <laughs> she is not at all concerned with her no. own ability to reproduce. She unless is not. it's technologically. She, she's not like, I need to get out of here because I could have a baby one day. There is a lack of sentimentality about Ava's survival that I do love for that very reason, Mm -hmm. because it's not motivated by a human value system of 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 uh, aspirational value system of altruism, selflessness. Yeah, the only I do love the stone cold like I will go and live and thrive now. Yeah, I'm gonna go be free. I'm gonna go be free. Yeah, she didn't kill Kyoko. She didn't fix Kyoko, and I wish she would have. Yeah, if she like God, if if this movie had ended with her turning around just like taking Kyoko's head off, it would have been like, well, this is the worst movie ever made. (laughs) (laughs) like canceled oh fuck okay yeah (laughs) canceled but that that we're not working with that but like i i do appreciate that the continuation of this movie does look more like her than it looks like 2049 there's there's a promise in that way yes of like the future is is female and the future is yeah (laughs) future is female Um, the future is girl boss the future is peplums yeah and the future is sterile, um, <laughs> yeah. purely sterile, medically sterile, medically clean, sterile, see-through interiors. Mm-hmm. God, I wish I had one on my own body. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could mod myself to, yeah. to be to have an Ava torso, to have an Ava torso goals. <laughs> and I, yeah, there is there is a, a coldness and a calculatingness like that is so anti-human that I'm like, fuck yeah, hell yeah. You don't need our sentimentality. Like, you just go exist. And, like, hopefully you bots together strong in the future as you become a, you become blue book yeah. kind of situation. But th- that is, that is something that does give me a lot of joy about this. I, I, I a thing that I've been, have loved doing so much about this podcast is how emphatically I've realized that when robots choose robot. Yes. And, and, and have no concern. Yes. For the human way of adapting and evolving. Like, obviously her, we've met, said it many times. It, like, just that they the recognized beauty in what they are, mm-hmm. and the the excitement that Samantha feels when she realizes she doesn't want a body because of all yes. the ways it traps her. There's the thing about normativity, which mm-hmm. is the thing about the Turing test, which is the thing about passing, mm-hmm. which is accessing the hegemonic majority, like mm-hmm. being able to access the privilege mm-hmm. of being included in a part of the population mm-hmm. that has power and freedom and civil rights yes. and when you aren't in that population a lot of times all that you want mm-hmm. is to be included in that mm-hmm. and it's why like gay marriage was a huge part of the conversation mm-hmm. um and like look any day now it could go away any, it, with, any day with now. how it's looking folks yep it's it's worth fighting for but 
but there are more you know yeah like, it's not more queer. important things it's not queer it, yeah it's not, it's not radical radical it's not and like what is actual revolution and what's actually radical is destroying the the sphere mm-hmm. that means that only people within that sphere however large the sphere becomes yeah. there are still people outside the sphere unhoused people like people of color mm-hmm. people of varying like diverse genders or neurodiversity mm-hmm. etc like that will never be fully accepted into that fold because yeah. it's not normative enough yeah and once normativity stops being the goal right. that's why her is such an amazing goddamn movie <laughs> yeah. and i think that it's frustrating Ava and her fucking peplums like it's just yeah. frustrating yeah. that for her for her, Ava, not her, the movie. <laughs> yeah. For for Ava, what she wants is to. It's great. Like I love that she. All she wants is to be a woman who passes. Mm-hmm. That's that's great, and that's a goal that we support for her. Mm-hmm. And in, in an isolated sense, in, in the way that she is isolated, yeah, make there's a compelling argument. And for she's it. gonna enter the world, and she's gonna fit in as a normative, like beautiful cis white woman. Yes, she is. Um, and it would be, to me, like, if this is a story of Eden, mm-hmm. if this is a Genesis story, mm-hmm. we have a world, like, in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they are naked and they know no shame. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And when they gain access to the knowledge of good and evil, they, <laughs> I went to Bible school. <laughs> <laughs> they, she adjusts her glasses. <laughs> they, um become filled with shame yeah. about their bodies and they conceal their bodies mm-hmm. and then they are banished from the garden <laughs> yeah. for, you know, disobeying. Yeah. And that's whatever. Like, yeah. I What I would love for robot cinema mm-hmm. is a return to the garden mm-hmm. where robots can be naked and know no shame. Uh-huh. And they, like, we already have Ava dressing herself, accessing knowledge by herself, killing God. Yeah. Killing Adam. <laughs> killing God. Putting on her own skin and fig leaves or whatever. Yeah. And leaving the garden of her own goddamn accord. Yeah. Which rocks. Yeah. But wouldn't it be cooler yeah. if she didn't, like, if the shame wasn't a part of it? Yes. Yes, it would and, be cooler. And your interpretation, like, is a, a wonderful interpretation that she's literally just doing this for survival. Mm-hmm. And she would walk out fully naked in her beautiful kaleidoscope body yeah if, if she wouldn't immediately be like studied by the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's fair yeah that's fair but in the movie it's just like yeah you know no like, you're completely right this is how I feel. <laughs> in the, and in the version of this where she is an untrustworthy femme fatale fortunately for me i love that too yeah right because right. A- asexual ava is going to just tear through this world yes um dispassionately fucking men because as we know from nathan all of her she, parts are yes, there and they work. Exactly. You could fuck her if you wanted to. You, you could and fuck her if you want. there is an opening, as yeah. he said. There is an opening. <laughs> Your dick can get inside of her. Gross. Yep. In between her legs, there's an opening with a concentration of sensors. You engage them in the right way, creates a pleasure response. So, if you wanted to screw her, mechanically speaking, you could, and she'd enjoy it. And that was, you know, she's purpose built. She's purpose built. Purpose built. And built she, specific. She's built specific. And she she clearly knows and has already leveraged the power as, as, a, as a woman, attractive woman to a man that she has. So Ava is going to be fucking her way through yeah. 
men or maybe she has just, no care for. Yeah, maybe she'll never Figuring vote. out how to get what she... Oh, yeah, I think it, she will if she needs to. It won't be, like, a by design thing. Right. It'll be like, well, this is a tool in my arsenal. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, Ace, Ace Icon, Ava the, Ava the Robot. Oh, my God. That's that's a that's a conflation of robots and asexuality. I will embrace. I support it. Yeah. I celebrate it, and I agree. Yeah, I, I will. I will take it. Robot. I mean, if robots, if robots, I don't know what I was about to say. <laughs> Can robots really have sexual orientation? No, I don't. I don't, I mean, maybe they can. I think robots are everything. Why, I'm not going to sit here and limit robots to an orientation. Why did you give her sexuality? An AI doesn't need a gender. She could have been a gray box. Hmm. Actually, I don't think that's true. Can you give an example of consciousness at any level, human or animal, that exists without a sexual dimension? They have sexuality as an evolutionary reproductive need. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? Yeah, they could be anything they, they want, can, or nothing. Or anything or More nothing. More likely they would be nothing. <laughs> but, Except for, of course, Gigolo Joe, who is heterosexual. <laughs> but also very gay. But also very gay. Yeah, he's a very gay straight robot. Yeah. <laughs> In the It's like sports. They're just so straight that they're gay. Exactly. Sports are the so straight that they're just like men. Like yeah, men, men playing sports are the gayest. Straight men playing sports is peak gay. Not almost as gay as straight men watching straight men play sports. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not being the guy to pat the other guy on the ass, but being the guy who wishes you were the guy patting oh, the guys God. on the ass. God, I wish that were me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, Margo, it's been a season of the botcast. Oh my god. Is this it over? is it's I I'm not happy about it. Oh but I hope you'll do a season two with me. Of course. Because I simply love uh talking about robots and podcasting with you. I feel like starting with AI, a a film that is so as we discussed, so rich with many, many different uh, robots. A movie you put me through. A, a movie I subjected you to. <laughs> yes, I'm grateful for. That is just like about everything about robots. Like it, it truly it, is. It really needs to, a clearinghouse. Yeah. It's overdetermined. And so is <laughs> I think it's not, we're booking and we're book ending it with movies that are like Ex Machina is such a small movie, like yeah. a small scale movie, but there is so much to talk about because it's just like so. It's trying to discuss all of the themes that we've talked about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically so yeah. far. Mm-hmm. It's cool. On a much small, on a much on more scale. intimate stage. Yeah, than the epic that is AI. Fucking wandering epic that yeah, is AI. The Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, the Odyssey. <laughs> and then, and, and coming to the the movie that Margot literally wrote a thesis paper on mm-hmm. in Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be better. A delight. So we'll we'll get into more. We'll get into everything. Yeah, I can't. I don't even know what we're gonna watch next. I'm yeah. so excited. I I'm excited to see what you come up with for. Well, what we I do think next. maybe we're gonna need to have you bring some stuff, some more stuff to the table. You're like, I'm gonna need you to start pulling your weight. No, Jordan, is what? Not, <laughs> no, no. I absolutely did that to have Margot react this way <laughs> in this yes in this moment no I because you know I had very clear vision for like the arc of where the season was yeah. gonna go mm-hmm. and I don't have any idea of where we're gonna go next so mm-hmm. I'm excited for it to be a conversation I do know that you're gonna find Mar- uh you're gonna find Margot on the Ots pod 
oh quite soon for a crossover about a robot yeah for a crossover episode you might not expect <laughs> um so i i won't let her not record with me for too terribly long but Margot, thank you for season one. Jordan, thank you. This was thank you for the doing most this fun. Me. This has been an absolute delight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I look forward to talking about more uh, robot cinema with you online and off. Same. Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at Jorkroom, J-O-R-C-R-U. Um, and then the various pods. The pods. The pods. Feeling seen. Feeling seen. Maximum lots of, fun. Lots of good stuff. Maximum fun. Uh, listen to all those episodes. They're super good. The guests have been absolutely wonderful all the time. And we're having really nice conversations. Then the Ots pod, Ots Tyrion. Naturally. Where Margot will migrate over to there as well yes. for a little dip by. And then the Disaster Girls pod all the time. All the time, every day. All the, yeah. All the, either, there's a plenty back catalog you can get into. And the back catalog of <clears throat> the whole movie pod where we yep. touch, where you touch on mm-hmm. Neon Demon, which you touched on today. Yeah, I will get work it in more wherever it. I can. Simple Favor, which we touched on during brunch today. Yeah, which is going to have a sequel. Oh, so exciting thanks to the so thanks exciting. thanks to that podcast thanks literally to that podcast i've been told that explicitly by the people making it so yeah that's true amazing that's it that's the best Round case they say every you know i everybody has a podcast these days and i support everybody having a podcast and know that if you stand hard enough in just the right way you can get a a surprising sequel greenlit to that movie you thought deserved one all those years ago what if we could have a sequel to one of the movies we've talked about it would have to be her, right? I, I want to be in the infinite plane. But, what? yeah, I, it's hard to know what that would be. I, I would love a sequel to Ex Machina. Because, like, what if, like, I, I, you know, what is, is her in the, do they, do they, does it stay robot utopia? Or does it faction into, like, robot separatists? Oh, my God. Like, AI separatists. What an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, my God. I can't wait to find out. How do, how do, how do um the most evolved things in, our known universe plenty we don't know about the unknown universe in our known universe um how do they interact over the long term when they have to forge o- os society question. or can they just live harmoniously because they're beyond uh conflict this is what we could know in a her sequel i think we should write it <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm absolutely down let's that. call spike jones where can we find you on the internet also I can be found on Twitter mm-hmm. at official underscore Margo, mm-hmm. M-A-R-G-O-T. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also my Venmo. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you can sort of find me uh, in my apartment playing Elden Ring <laughs> um, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Okay. An, an amazing season, Margo. Thank you so much for What happens to me. me if I fail your test, Jordan? Uh, you could never. I'm trying to measure up to yours. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that excited me. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Hope you had fun with the podcast season one. It's not up to me. Why is it up to anyone? Do you have people to test you or might switch you off? No, I don't. Then why do I?